I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're trying to be rational here, and we're trying to be, you know, patient, wait, and all those things. The only thing that I find myself even like, you know, not criticizing myself, but like thinking about making sure you don't get carried away is that, you know, along the way, as we're being rational, you can't, you can't discount the possibility that he's developing bad habits. So that's almost, you wonder if that, how counterproductive it is because while you're waiting and while we're patiently seeing and boy, they need to get an offensive line next year and boy, they need to add a wide receiver and free agency by then will he be ruined by the point of by, because of everything that's happening now, I don't know if that's the case. I want to think no because I do think he has athleticism and you know whatever. But I don't also know what it, what damage that they might be doing by throwing him out there each and every week. And that's where I understand some coaches are like, well, you know, back in the good old days, we used to wait <laughs> until they were ready. And I wonder what damage they're doing because I don't know if he's ready for this given the circumstances around him. Yeah, you're, you're looking specifically at his pocket presence, whether he's dropping his eyes and looking at the pass rush rather than keeping his eyes downfield. I mean, because when he's under pressure, he's going to understandably rely on those on those instincts. But the, the signs you're looking for, you're hoping for if you're a Bears fan is whether his eyes are up, whether he's you know, moving within the pocket and he's comfortable with the rush around him, feeling it and making throws. You, you don't see that consistently. One one line uh, from my Chicago sports days that has always stayed with me was a line from Joe Madden uh, talking about his teams with the Cubs would would were dedicated to the relentless execution of fundamentals. I always thought that was is a really nice way to put something that could be taken almost as a given, you know, like a, like a, an afterthought. Yeah. We're going to take care of the fundamentals. We're going to field every ground ball. We're going to hit every swing pass to the flat. You know, we're going to hit the tight end on a, on an open, you know, little three yard layup there. Justin Fields does not relentlessly execute the fundamentals. He doesn't, he bounces throws, he misses throws. He doesn't anticipate him. He has to clean that up before he can take the next step. A Joe Madden reference. Wow. You, didn't I see, was, you see why he was on my dream I, guest list here, David? No, exactly. I thought you were going to say, try not to suck. <laughs> well, that one, that's another good one. That's that, a good one. They both apply, right? And so, yeah. so listen, David, we used to have a segment on the original Bear Download podcast called That's Just Stupid. I know you were a loyal listener and you remember it. So oh, Rich yeah. just brought up the play that I think we have to revive the That's Just Stupid uh, conversation for this podcast today because that missed tight end throw to to uh, Ryan Griffin in the end zone on Thursday night is one that has been talked about in social media circles more than any cut and dry play that I've ever seen in my life. And so I, I I'm going to take the couch here and you guys can talk me off the couch here, but okay. I, I'm just stunned because the hyper analysis on this one play, right? We, we all determined in the moment, 
perfectly executed play, perfectly designed play, rather. You've got the fake inside handoff to Khalil Herbert, the fake end around to Equinemius St. Brown, the tight end leaks, and all of a sudden is open by two and a half yards. Your quarterback is unpressured in the pocket, and all he has to do is make a nice little throw to the tight end who catches it. Do I wish Ryan Griffin ran the route better? Yes, I do. Right. We, we now we have gotten frame by frame analysis from from people all across the country, including folks like Trent Dilfer on the score, saying that Ryan Griffin didn't run with proper mechanics. Right. OK, fine. Given didn't run with proper mechanics, didn't get out to the spot fast enough, didn't get there. The quarterback missed him by like three yards. I think Ryan Griffin got the very uh, outreach of his middle finger to barely touch the ball. And if we are in a state where the people on the pro field side of the conversation cannot acknowledge that that was a misthrow and a mistake by the quarterback, I think we're doomed and I think we're lost. Trent Dilfer, David, went so far as to say he didn't even put a minus on his grade sheet for that play for Justin because he was so upset with the way Ryan Griffin ran the route. I lost my mind. My head exploded. You can see it exploding right here on this podcast. I need you to tell me how we make sense of this conversation if we're going to get stuck in a four-day conversation about a play that's like that. Well, I have a ton of respect for Trent Dilfer. Me too. I I think he's tremendous. But I wouldn't mind if he were the auditor doing my taxes uh, for the IRS. Because I, if, I said the other day I want him to do every one of my performance I, reviews, and I want him as yeah, my defense attorney. I mean, exactly. Uh, Rich, I'll let you attack that because I, I, I tend to agree with Dan wholeheartedly, and, and I just – it has – Justin agrees with me. He said, I'm an NFL quarterback. I've got to hit right. that throw. <laughs> It, what's the saying? Like if it if it looks like a pig and it smells like a pig, and then it's a, it's a pig, right? I mean, we're we're not talking about brain surgery here or nuclear physics. We're talking about football, and it's it's at a base level, it's it's very simple, right? You you run, throw, tackle, block, catch. You throw to a guy who's standing in the end zone, or you know, running in the end zone, uh, an easy little five yard lob. The game was too big for him in that moment. He missed the throw under the lights. The game was too big for him. That, that's a really interesting way to put it. I, I, I don't disagree either, and I, I guess I'm surprised by that. If that were a tackle-eligible play, you, you wouldn't be blaming the route. I mean, it was the same type of thing. You've got to be able to have the touch, and you got to be able to slow down your breathing or whatever <laughs> the case. You know, we all laugh at the breathing exercises, but you know what? In that moment, you saw why he needed them. Justin Fields is such a confident young man, and he's such a, a, a gifted athlete. But I think that I'm surprised he goes from Georgia to Ohio State, the first-round pick. He looks confident on Instagram. He's missed, he's charismatic. And I just think sometimes anxiety affects his accuracy. And, and I just he, he's aiming the ball, or his mechanics are off, or he's taking his eyes down because I think he panics a little bit. And that surprised me. And that is one play out of many this season. But it underscores just how his inability to to channel or to control that anxiety, I think, affects him in ways that hurt him accurately. There's a camera angle of that play from behind. And I think it's that camera that's on the wires that goes up and down the field on some of these night games. And, and I mean, you have a view from behind Justin Fields' helmet of just how open this receiver is and how much room there is in every single direction to put that ball somewhere where it can be caught. The fact that your receiver only got the, the outstretched tip of one finger on it is is it's it's dumbfounding to me. And, and the idea that we could let him off the hook because the tight end had his junk face in the wrong way and wasn't 
running, <laughs> running properly. It's just, I, I just don't, I don't know how we can have productive conversations if, if we're going to do this. Like you want your starting quarterback. If you want your starting quarterback to become Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or, uh, you know, Tom Brady, you want him to be like a heart surgeon, right? And, and, and if a heart surgeon goes, oh, oops, oops, I missed that one. Sorry about that. Well, well, now you're in trouble, right? You're in big, big trouble because you just nicked a, a, a key artery and now there's blood gushing everywhere. And so I think that people in the outside world have to understand the demands of playing this position at the level that they want to play it at. And that doesn't mean he, he can't make mistakes. But my goodness, when, when they're like that and we can't agree that it's a mistake, we're, we're just doomed. We're doomed. And I, as you can tell, I'm getting fired up again. The, the intellectual dishonesty of that rationale is off the chart and it's not productive. Justin Fields and any self-respecting college quarterback, high school quarterback will tell you they have to hit that throw because you've got a feel for the game because you've got command of the moment because you're the guy you just, it's, it's intellectually dishonest to say otherwise, and you have to – it's a full stop right there because otherwise you're right, Dan. You cannot have a productive conversation or, or analysis of his development. You, you Rich, just can't. we don't want to keep you all day, but I do want to get your input on this last uh, point. So ha- having the perspective of somebody who did the job as well as anybody did you know, until you left in 2019, <laughs> and now you're out of the business, and you have the perspective of taking a step back, the 35,000-foot view, specifically when it comes to quarterback – evaluation, quarterback analysis, whether it's, you know, print anymore, sort of a misnomer, but whether it's digitally or on, um, on television, whatever, how would you describe how it's changed? Because, you know, everybody's got their expert. Everybody's got their guy. We can all watch the all 22 and everybody's got their opinion about what should have played or what, what should have happened, what shouldn't have happened. You know, PFF has changed the way we evaluate offensive linemen. In terms of quarterback play, how have you seen the evaluation, the analysis and the critique of the position change from your perspective? I think it's probably just become more either complex or complicated. And and to that point, probably overcomplicated. Like at some point, the, the ball don't lie. Right. I mean, the, that Justin Fields pass is bouncing on the south end zone of Soldier Field and then it's third down. Right. And you, you don't really need to know more than that. Right? You, you know, and look at Josh Allen and the Bills yesterday and what he did at the end of that game against against the Chiefs. The arm talent is out of this world with Josh Allen and you saw it win a game. And, and so ultimately, I think the results, you can almost reverse engineer this analysis, like the results are going to give you the firm ground to stand on. And then you can kind of work your way back through it and see, oh, yeah, you know what? He's got great pocket presence. He's got unique athletic gifts. He's got that leadership quality and command of the game. Whereas if you're in a position like we were with Trubisky, like you guys are now with Fields, where you're just micro hyper analyzing every little play, you know what? That's the sign that he doesn't have it right. Like it, it doesn't need to be this great mystery. And it's become overcomplicated because, look, you know, we love talking about it. It's 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 <laughs> it's, it's it's the essence of building it's, a it's successful key, NFL it's team. It's the key to unlocking to what it. they're trying to unlock. Yeah, yes, you have to get this right. So, of course, it's hyper scrutinized. But it but ultimately, for all the, the capabilities we have to do the analysis, like you said, David, that all 22, you've got high school coaches, college coaches who can put up a clip on Twitter and narrate over it. You've got ESPN talking heads who can do the same thing. They're not in the huddle. They're not in these game plans, but they still know concepts. They can talk you through it. Ultimately, 
it shouldn't be that hard to diagnose if it's if the guy's successful, if he's that guy. You just see it and you know it. Read your quote from Justin on Thursday night. When the play is there, make it plain and simple. I'm putting that on a T-shirt. Let's do that. Let's put that on obvious shirts and let's roll with it. One last thing, Rich, before we cut you loose. Uh, we are going back to Foxborough, Massachusetts this uh, this weekend. The game is on Monday night, obviously. The last time the Bears played there in the regular season was 2014. And in 60 seconds or less, what do you remember about the 2014 game at Gillette Stadium? I've got some things pulled up here in case I need to refresh it. Okay. I I think it was, it was 21 points in like 46 seconds. What what was the exact? 57 seconds. 57 seconds. At the end of the first half. I remember Brandon Marshall going deep at the end of that game, coming off the field and, and waving his way out. And then there was some type of verbal exchange with someone after the game. David. I was going to say, I think it was David. Yes, you have a good memory. All right. So, so Brandon Marshall <laughs> wave, waves himself out of the game, right? Everyone remembers that when they were getting beaten badly. He goes into – so he comes out of the game. And after the game, at his locker, I asked Brandon Marshall about that play, implying that he was maybe dogging it a little bit. Everyone was thinking what I was saying, right? Oh, 100%. And that, 100%. Was, that was the – that's whack, bro. That's, that's it. That's whack, at, bro. He came at me. That's whack, bro. So that's where that was born. And thank you for that kind that memory. I did not know it was that long ago. Wow. Right. So so here's a couple other memories from that day. Lamar Houston tears his ACL, <laughs> suffering, his celebrating his first sack of the year, if I'm not mistaken, against Jimmy Garoppolo, who was in because the Patriots were well on their way to a 51-23 <laughs> thrashing. And Tom Brady was already having dinner with Giselle at the time that Lamar was unblocked, by the way, didn't even beat a rusher, just was a free runner. And, and, and Jimmy fell down and he touched him and then he tried to do the dumbbell celebration tore his ACL. I'm going to go through the, the quick rundown of those 56 seconds for you guys. So Brady hits Rob Gronkowski for a two-yard touchdown pass. Uh, The Bears go three and out quickly on the very next possession. Julian Edelman returns a punt for 42 yards. On the very first Patriots snap, Brady hits Brandon LaFell for a nine-yard touchdown. The Bears get the ball back after a kickoff touchback. Jay Cutler does some wild, crazy stuff in the pocket, tries to throw a ball underhanded, fumbles it. Rob Ninkovich picks it up, runs it into the end zone for a 15-yard touchdown. 21 points in a 57-second span late in the first half. The Patriots went to halftime ahead 38-7. to You guys also remember what happened next. The Bears went on their bye week after that, came back the following week at Lambeau Field and got hit with a 42 spot in the first half at Lambeau Field. And that was the end of the entirety of the, Matt, or the Mark Trestman era uh, midway through the 2014 season. That's whack, bro. That's whack, bro. That's, <laughs> whack, bro. That's it. Oh, man, that's awesome. Hey, Hopefully don't you guys remember that before that game? Wasn't it before that game that Lamar Houston came out like shirtless and it was cold, and he was like three. We did that every game, no, ma- no, no matter when it was. He'd be okay. he'd be shirtless, and it'd be no matter how cold it was. Yeah, he'd be out there without a shirt on, and uh, yeah, obviously you want to make sure that uh, your celebrations are kept in the confines well, of what what the moment deserves. That, you guys remember it well. That 2014 team had a lot of standards for absurdity. That it's a was, whole separate podcast, yeah. and I'm happy to do it because late in this year we maybe need to to do an absurdity <laughs> podcast because I've got several moments from that year that I will never forget and would love to detail for our audience rich you can come back you're welcome back anytime <laughs> that's one thing i can speak about is all the bad ball we saw the, the numerous <laughs> starting quarterbacks the missed opportunities even when you thought you're ready to to crown them they they fell apart uh you talk about you know right griffin won rookie of the year and and fell out you had a 
coach of the year. year. Didn't Aggie even is. get to his. Yeah, didn't even get to his second contract with the team. Just uh, what a league. Rich, before we let you go, let people know what you're doing now. And just um, it, it was great catching up. I think a lot of people probably hear your voice and remember your work and are just like, boy, we miss that guy. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. It's just being on here and talking with you guys uh, makes me miss this quite a bit. And not that I don't realize that every Sunday, every time uh, you know I get a text or you know see a headline or a tweet come through. But yeah, just working that corporate America life and uh, made that decision that everyone in sports journalism makes at some point, whether to stay in or, or leave. And so David, I'm, David and I are, are now like Hoosier kindred spirits. My, my son the other day made some reference to, you know, we're from Indiana. You know, I'm from the East Coast and it, it couldn't be more random for me to, that I live in Indiana and, and my for my son to say like, oh yeah, we're from Indiana. But oh my gosh, we are from Indiana, aren't we? Yeah, here we are. You're, you're raising a polite young man. I can guarantee right. you that. That's right. That's right. Well, I can tell you, it's great to talk to you and see you. And I can tell you, I think of you and Dan every time I order an Uber, since you guys were responsible for having Uber added to my phone back in the day, that's how out of date I was before you guys helped uh, modernize me. I can picture the street, yeah, the street corner in Houston where, where David took his first successful Uber and the childlike giddiness that he had when the license plate on his phone matched the license plate of the guy who pulled up at the corner. I've never seen excitement like that in my life. Oh, the only thing funny. you can compare it to is like the kids on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They're like so excited. Yeah. And then Rich, when we got the text right, David like, after he made it home, like it worked. It actually yeah. <laughs> it worked. Oh, boy. All right. That's Thanks great. for you guys jumping take care. on, Rich. You take care, and we will be back in touch with you at some point. See you, buddy. You, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Rich Campbell, former beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, contributor to 670 The Score, all-around good guy. 